Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. morning everyone we're so it's so good to see you here it, it it really is and if you're a believer if you're a follower of Jesus Christ I hope you've come this morning with this sense of anticipation and expectation that you're going to hear from the Lord as we dive into his word this morning now if you've come here this morning and you've been dragged I'm sorry but we're so glad that you're here okay maybe you're just here to check things out check out what Jesus is all about well we're so thankful that you're willing to share part of your weekend with us my name is Donald and uh, I'm one of the pastors here this morning. I believe today's message has the potential, really, to speak life and freedom for a lot of people here this morning. We began a series a few weeks ago called Flawed. We're simply looking at people in the Bible who, who didn't have it all together. People like you and me. You know, they had their struggles, they had their quirks. And uh, what we're discovering is something amazing happens with these flawed people when they have an encounter with Jesus and they experience literally the grace of God. There is no grace like the grace of God. And this morning we're going to be looking at a woman's story that is even more than just flawed. Her life is a wreck. Um, She is facing the death penalty. She's desperate. Oh, she is desperate. For a good lawyer. She's in need for someone to step in and be on her side. Perhaps she's been framed. We don't know all the details. All we know is she is minutes away from death unless something miraculous happens. And the thing is, she can't even deny it. There's eyewitnesses everywhere. She was caught red handed. Have you ever been caught doing something wrong? Anybody ever been caught doing something wrong? Hmm, there's a lot of liars in here. (laughs) Well, I got to confess to you. I have been caught in the wrong. Mom, you may not want to hear this story. (laughs) Now, some of the things, sometimes when I've been caught in the wrong, it's involved red and blue lights. It's called speeding. I can remember the first time I was caught. And it involved church work, of all things. I was, I was running a little bit late, and I decided I'm going to swing in the Tim Hortons. I'm going to get a coffee for all the staff and donuts. I thought, wouldn't that be really good? And, and so I swung in, and I realized you know, the line is long, and I'm running late. And so supposedly when I left Tim Hortons, I pressed the pedal too hard. And I was going a little too fast, they say. And so they pulled me over, and I was caught No matter how much I said, but it's for the people. It's for the small people. They just wrote the ticket to me. Anyone ever been caught speeding? Wow. We got a lot of speeding sinners in this congregation. (laughs) You know, what about parking tickets? Oh, I've had my few of those as well. Some, I believe, not deserved. You know, like you're running around, you put the, the, the money in the meter, and you, you just are late getting back, and then all of a sudden there's a little ticket to remind you you've been caught. You know, sometimes I parked in places where I didn't even know it was a non-parking zone because the, the parkings, I was stuck way up in a tree somewhere. But I still got the ticket because I was guilty for parking in a non-parking zone. Ever catch one of your children doing something wrong? 
You know, sometimes we think of little children and you, you just made all kinds of cookies or something. You say, now, Johnny, we, now, no cookies till after supper. We, we've made these, so don't have any. And then all of a sudden you come back in the kitchen, there's a couple missing. And you go looking for John and you say, Johnny, did you take a cookie? And he's like, uh, deer in the headlights? Even though he's got it right behind his back, right? Or maybe you've caught your teenager sneaking in the window at night. Gotcha. I, I like when, when you catch your dog doing something wrong. You know how they just, they won't look at you? They kind of look up, up at you and hope that you will be really kind to them? Ever been caught gossiping? Caught in a lie? Caught watching something inappropriate? Well, we're going to look at a woman who was busted. She was caught. And her story can be found in John chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to John, the book of John. And if the Bible is a little bit unfamiliar to you, John is in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we have a story here of a woman who has been condemned and convicted by the crowd. Telephone surveys have been taken. Um, polling stations have been brought in from gather all the information that's in the church. And everyone agrees this woman is convicted. She has been condemned. She is guilty as charged. Give her the death penalty. And that's where we find ourselves here in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And as we read, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Would you stand this morning as we read God's word this morning? John 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have bias for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, well, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now. And leave your life of sin. Let's pray. Father, we pray that in these next few moments, Lord, we pray that the words on these pages will come alive. I pray, Lord, that we'll be able to grab a fresh glimpse of who Jesus Christ 
really is. So open our hearts and open our minds, Lord. Remove the distractions, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So what we have here is a woman who's been caught in adultery and she's been dragged into the public square for everyone to see her. She is being humiliated. And by the way, did you notice where this is all taking place? It's taking place at the temple. Jesus is speaking. He's teaching to a group of people. And in the temple is where all this activity starts taking place. It would be like someone literally dragging someone down this center aisle and saying, I've caught a sinner. I caught a sinner in the very act of sinning. I don't know why it is. Why are we always surprised when people are caught in sin? I like how one pastor puts it, hunters hunt, golfers golf, and sinners sin. That's what sinners do. They sin. So why are we so shocked when a sinner sins? Because let me tell you, Jesus is not shocked in this story about this woman's sin. Um, I don't know how many people have traveled in a, in a third world country, but I've spent, um, I've gone to India a couple times on a trip, and, there, and there's something that is very seared into my mind, and that is the driving conditions of the country. Now, if you've ever been to India, if there's three lanes of traffic, let's say there's three lanes of traffic, guarantee there's going to be six cars, five mopeds, and 12 bice, bicycles, right? That's what's in that lane of three traffic. And so when you're there, you sometimes you think, well, there's going to be all kinds of accidents. But really, when I started looking at it, I think we have more accidents here in Canada than there. Because the people in India expect people to go outside the lines. They don't expect people to stay inside their lanes. So they're always looking for people who are outside the lines. But here in Canada, oh, ho, ho, we are highly offended if someone comes over into our lane. We're shocked like, you've just crossed over the line. And you let them know. You honk your horn, get back in your line. Right? And then when we pass them, we give them that look. Like, hey, I saw you. You were in my line. <laughs> well, let me just say, Jesus is not shocked when people cross over the line. He's not. And the Bible records for us that the lady, the woman, was actually caught in the very act of committing adultery. So when, I, when I'm picturing what's taking place here, I, I don't know if they've just literally dragged her out of the bedroom. I, I, I kind of picture she's not dressed well. Maybe she has a bed sheet that's been wrapped around her. And she's standing there. And she's been caught. And now she's going to be made a spectacle of. Now, as a young boy growing up, I've always been taught that it takes two to tango. But where's the man? I want that we have two, a double standard going on here. Because you wonder, well, where's the guy? It takes two people to commit adultery. But it's only the woman. So get this picture. Jesus is teaching at the temple. He's got a group of people that he's talking to. And then in the distance you can hear some, some noise, some disruption. And it gets louder and louder until they literally throw her in front of Jesus. And now just so you know. I, I really do think this whole thing is a setup. The whole purpose of humiliating this lady was simply to try to catch Jesus in the wrong. I, I don't know. I think maybe the, the, the lady was even framed. I think maybe the, perhaps they even hired a man to uh, be a part of a plot to take down Jesus. 
But what we have discovered is she really is very close to dying because in Jewish culture, if you were commit, committed adultery, the, the, the payment was, was to be stoned. And so here she is, the accusations have been made, people have caught her in the very act of adultery. You know, she knows that she is moments away from death. We know she's married because it says she committed adultery. So she may never see her husband again, even to ask for forgiveness. If she has children, that will be the last memory of her children. My mom was an adulteress. But when you read through the story, one of the things that amazes me is that Jesus does not condemn the woman. Like, he, he doesn't condemn her. She's guilty. Like, she is guilty, but he doesn't condemn her. And you think, why? I mean, all the information has been gathered. All the people have come together. Their opinion, their eyewitnesses that she's guilty. Condemn her. But not Jesus. And so I am reminded of those verses in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then it's that next verse. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, Jesus never came into the world to condemn the world, even though I think the world has this impression, and maybe we have given the impression as church people, that God loves to condemn people. That is not what he came into the world to do. He loves people. And we find that illustration right here in this particular story, because God does not condemn this woman. In Romans 8, I love this, Romans 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say, now there's a little bit of condemnation. No, it says there is none. And honestly, I sometimes have a very hard time believing that. Because I know I'm guilty. How can there be no condemnation? But that's what Christ, that's what we're told, that's what God says. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you know him as your personal savior, God has declared us not guilty. It's almost hard to fathom that there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Yet we have all these voices in our head that say, your life is ruined. You're never going to live this one down. How can you say God loves you? You call yourself a Christian? Really? You call yourself a God follower? Ha! Look at yourself, you're pathetic. These voices of condemnation. And sometimes they're down deep inside. You know, you don't have to be caught, by the way, to feel shame and guilt. You don't have to be caught. Um, men, how many times maybe you have felt the guilt and shame because you watched something inappropriate? On, on a computer screen. The shame and guilt is down deep inside. Listen, shame grows in the dark. Have you ever been on a diet and you're trying to stick with it and you want to do your best and, and then all of a sudden you just have one of those days you're so depressed you just get a bucket of ice cream and you just, you just go for it. And then the next day you're like, oh, why did I do that? Starting all over again. 
or maybe you know finances are your thing and you've been really trying hard to get everything paid off and then you have one of those depressing days and one of those and, and when you're depressed one of the best ways to feel good is just to go out and spend and you do and then you're like oh or maybe it's a substance abuse maybe it's the abuse of alcohol or drugs and and you say you're not going to do it again and all of a sudden you get hammered why why or, you know, you say, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not going to take my temper out on my kids. And then something happens, you get angry. Oh, why did I do that? A, a new terminology I had, uh, I just recently heard, uh, that some women actually um, say that they feel like they're a Pinterest failure. <laughs> I never heard that before. You know, it all looks so good on Pinterest and you can't live up to the standard. And you just feel so guilty or perhaps you're trying not to do something but you keep doing it you know the apostle paul had that same problem right he said the things that i don't want to do that's what i find myself doing and the things that i want to do that's what i don't do i mean then you start feeling the guilt about that we all know by the way we're guilty but then god says no you're not guilty because Jesus is not guilty. So when we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, and God looks at, he actually looks at us through his son, and his son is not guilty. So as a believer, we have been declared not guilty. Notice in the, in the text here that Jesus not only does not condemn her, by the way, Jesus doesn't compromise either. He says, oh, you know, that's okay. Better luck next time. No. You know, in Matthew 11, verse 19, it says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And yet over in Hebrews 7, 26, it says that Jesus was uh, set apart. He was separate from sinners. So he's a friend of sinners because he doesn't condemn them. And he's also separate from sinners, so he's not compromising as well. And, and the thing is, when you read the Bible, you, you understand, sinners loved hanging out with Jesus. He, they loved it because he didn't condemn them, but he didn't compromise either. I sometimes think, sometimes I think, when, you know, maybe when we compromise, I don't know, sometimes I feel like we lose our platform to be a witness when we're compromising all the time. You, you know that she's got to be thinking, my life is over. My life is over. Even if by some miracle she's set free, she still has to go home. She still has to go home and, and face her husband. Right? And who knows, even if she begs for forgiveness, who, who knows what's going to happen. And then she's got to face her children, face her the people that live on her street, because you just know, she just knows that all the women on the street are going to be thinking, oh, she, she's a husband stealer. Keep your husbands inside the house. She's nothing but a hussy. You know she's thinking her life is over. And so these religious people, who you would think would be the kind and compassionate and caring people, looking after their own people, they bring this woman and they throw her in front of Jesus, and they say, teacher, we caught her in the very act. Now what do you say? 
Of course, if he says, well, stone her, of course, she's guilty. Jesus kind of loses the whole idea of a friend of sinner and not this kind compassion, full of grace, full of mercy. And that he was. But if he says, well, you know, let, let's just overlook this one, it kind of gives the impression, oh, no big deal if you commit adultery. The, the, the book of Moses, the law of Moses says you're supposed to kill her. Really, the whole thing is a sham. Uh, the whole charade is simply to try to make Jesus look really bad in front of people. So through the story, what, what happens next? The Bible says that Jesus bent down and he began to draw on the ground. And the million dollar question is, what did Jesus write on the ground? Everybody wants to know that. I want to know that. I love those kind of details. This drives me crazy that I don't know what he wrote on the ground. Because whatever he wrote on the ground, it caused people to leave. So don't you want to know? Well, there's, of course, as you can imagine, there's lots of theories out there as to what he wrote. There's a Jewish tradition that says that they think that Jesus wrote Exodus 23, 7. This is what Exodus 23, 7 says. Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death for I will not acquit the guilty. So perhaps he was writing that on the ground. Some think that actually Jesus was writing the sins of the people who brought her to him. And why do people, some people think that? Because there's a Greek word that it has the idea that Jesus is writing down against something so whatever he's writing down the word gives a nuance that he's writing against something so that's why some people think he's literally writing the sins oh there's mark over there all right mark oh there's john over there i'll write his sins on the ground as well in verse seven it says when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and said to them if any one of you is without sin let him be the first to throw a stone at her. If you remember, um, oh, I guess it's probably more than a few weeks ago, maybe it was in the last series, we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount. That, you know, that famous sermon where Jesus is on the mountainside and, and there's a multitudes of people that are listening to his every word. And in that sermon, he seems to be raising the standard in everything. So, you know, he says, um, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbors and hate your enemies. He said, but oh, no, no, I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for them like he he raises the standard and then he says you know you feel so good you feel so good because you um haven't murdered anybody but then jesus says no 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 if you have hatred in your heart it's as though you murdered him like he, he just continues to raise the standard he says in that sermon hey you've heard it said you know uh, about adultery right you feel so good about yourself because you haven't actually committed the act of, of adultery and then Jesus says but if you have lusted after someone you've committed adultery in your heart so Jesus is is always raising the standard and and as I was reading through this passage over and over again and there there are some nuances in in the original language that kind of gives you this this, um, that he's raising the standard, even in this comment. Because he's saying, uh, not only uh, if you have no sin to cast the first stone, but I think the implication is, if you've never even thought about wanting to sin, cast the first stone. I don't know about you, 
But there's lots of times that I haven't sinned, but it's not because I didn't want to. Like, I want it to. I just made a better decision not to. Anyone else ever feel that way? You didn't sin, but you want it to? I'll tell you a good illustration. Maybe you've experienced this, where someone has cut you off in traffic. Has that ever happened to you? And you're like, oh. A couple years ago, I still remember this. I don't know what came over me. I was in Halifax. I was going down this road called Glendale Avenue. I was approaching the intersection. And before I began to slow down, oh, the light turned green. So I just kept on going. At the last minute, as I went in through the intersection, this silver Toyota Corolla (laughs) cut in front of me, gave me the smirk and the symbol that says I'm number one. Do you know what I mean? And I read his lips, and I'm not going to repeat what he said, but I want to tell you, something came over me that I have never experienced before. I said, I will get that guy. I will hunt him down. I literally, I did a Yui. (laughs) Oh, no, he was not going home. And so as I was going down Glendale Avenue, I kept thinking, all the people that I know in Glendale, I'm calling everybody, "We're, we're doing a chase. We're doing a man chase. And then finally I came to my sense. I pulled outside the road, Donald, what are you doing? So I didn't get him, but boy, I wanted to. I think Jesus is saying here, pick up a stone and throw it. If not only have not sinned, but you didn't want to sin. So here, picture the woman. She's there in front of everyone. And she is humiliated. All these men are making accusations against her. And Jesus says, okay, boys, throw the first stone. Those who have no sin, throw it. And then it says he bent down again and began to write in the ground. I, I don't know what he was writing. Maybe he was continuing that list of sins. But it says right from the oldest guy. They started leaving. I don't know, they just, maybe they didn't want to be exposed. They just started to leave. Until it literally, it's just Jesus and the woman. In verse 10, it says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. No one then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and live your life. Leave your life, sorry, of sin. Hands down, hands down, this lady deserved condemnation because she was sinful. But Jesus doesn't give it to her. Like, he doesn't give it to her. Because of his grace and his great love, he does not give to her what she deserves instead he gives mercy and let me tell you let me tell you that is good news maybe you find yourself in the same situation as this woman full of shame and full of guilt and condemnation just like this woman this is when i have to remind it all the time of that romans 8 verse 1 verse again therefore there is now no condemnation for those in christ jesus do you hear what i said therefore there is now no 
condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not that they're a little bit later, there'll be no condemnation. Not when you get your act together, there'll be no, con- um, no condemnation. Not after you get some counseling, will there be no condemnation. Not after you prove yourself, there'll be no condemnation. No, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We do not have to wear the cloak of shame and guilt. So when you hear those voices in your head that keep telling you, oh, you're way too bad for God to love you. Look at yourself, you're used good, you're pathetic. You can't let people know what you've done. God can't use you. Remember Romans 8.1. It's a great verse to have memorized in your head. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not what you've done. You are not what those voices say that you are. You are who Christ says you are. And if you are in Christ, you're forgiven. You're free. You're an overcomer. You're not what your past, you're not your past. You're not what someone else says you are. Because therefore there's now no condemnation in Christ. That's why Jesus could say, to the lady, go now and leave your life of sin. Be free. You've overcome. You're free. You don't have to go back to the life that you were once living. Jesus offered this woman forgiveness and freedom. And you know what else? You know what else he offers? The Bible tells us that Jesus never again brings up all of our past sins and throws them in our face again. You know, we mess up, we sin again, and you kind of would expect Jesus to go, well, I thought you would do that again. Look at your past. No, he doesn't throw it in your face again. He buries them in the deepest part of the sea, never to be brought up again. Our sins are forgiven. They're forgotten, and we're free. Some of you, Some of you have been held hostage in sin for years. And Jesus can set you free. You can can be an overcomer because of what Christ did when he died on the cross. When you keep reading through the chapter there, the next verse, the very next verse, is Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And whoever walks with me doesn't have to walk in the darkness. This is why he could say to that woman, go sin no more. I do not condemn you, he says. But listen, not only is Jesus the light of the world, but he was the light of her world. And when Jesus becomes the light of your world, things change. It's great to know that he's the light of the world, but when he becomes the light of your world, things change because you don't have to walk in darkness again because he overcame sin. He defeated it. And let me tell you, there is no sin. There is no sin that is greater than his grace. No sin. The truth is his love can forgive you. The truth is his grace is greater than your sin. The truth is he will set you free. The truth is not an idea. The truth is Jesus Christ. You don't have to be held hostage 
to your past, to what you have done wrong. Because therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. And Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Don't miss this. She deserved condemnation because she had broken the law. And because of the law that we have broken, we deserve condemnation. But because of his goodness, because of his grace and his mercy, we can go and sin no more. I mean, that is how good God is. He's a good God. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, in this moment, I, I, can I just talk to you personally? I think some here this morning maybe are, are loathing yourself because of some things that you've done. You feel the shame and you, you can't shake it. And some of you maybe are just caught in a repetitive sin. Let me tell you, in the presence of Christ, you can be free. You can be free. So let me ask you, do you need to do business with God this morning? In one moment in the presence of Jesus, everything can change. He can silence the accusers. We are what Jesus said that we are. And he can break the power of sin in our lives. For those who need an encounter with Jesus, I pray right now that people would be lifted from the guilt of sin and shame. And some of you desperately need Jesus. Some of you really need his grace and his mercy. And it is time that you would surrender your life to Jesus. You need Jesus just like I need Jesus every day of my life to set me free. I pray that this morning you would turn from your sin and ask him to save you. Call upon him, the Bible says, and he will save you. And there will be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because Jesus is my light, I don't have to walk in the darkness anymore. Uh, Father, we thank you for our moments together. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do your work, the work of the Holy Spirit, as you speak to